and welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. Happy belated Halloween. I can't believe the season's already over. Let me tell you something real quick before we get started. Uh, we moved up to the mountains a little over two years ago uh, from L.A. Uh, so the last two years up here, uh, we haven't had a whole lot to do. We watched scary movies, I think, the first Halloween. Uh, the first time I hadn't dressed up in who knows how long. And then the following year, it was, uh, I believe, the same thing. Probably some pumpkin carving and, and some scary movies. But this year, we decided to take our neighbor, John's, hey, John, take his uh, suggestion and hit up uh, a little neighborhood that's about you know, three-quarters of a mile to a mile away from here. And, uh, boy, we were not disappointed. Me and, and Sarah and two of our friends walked over about 7.30 last night, uh, basically just to look at the trick-or-treaters, costumes, and that kind of thing. And this place was straight out of Hocus Pocus. There were kids running around everywhere. Every single person was in costume. It was amazing. These these folks had a haunted house set up in their yard that was pretty entertaining, considering it was uh, you know a bunch of kids working at that kind of situation. So, uh, man, it revived my belief and my uh, enthusiasm in in the holiday. So uh, it, it was brilliant. Hopefully, each and every one of you had an amazing Halloween as well. I know it's my favorite holiday, and uh, I can only assume that since you're listening to this, it's probably one of yours as well. I have a wonderful, wonderful show lined up for you guys this evening. I tried to do something a little special for Halloween, but uh, I think I fell short. But we're going to give this a try anyway. Uh, I scoured my archives for uh, mentions of Halloween in the calls, and I managed to find a handful, and then I peppered in a few others that I thought were appropriate for the date, appropriate for the holiday. So without further ado, let's launch into our very first call of the evening. And that call is submitted anonymously from the state of Pennsylvania. Hey, Derek, I'm not going to give you my name because I'm a teacher and I don't need any kid that might recognize my name in any way to use it against me. But I'm going to tell you that I am from Reading, Pennsylvania, and my wife and I are super into ghosts and paranormal stuff and things like that. Uh, As a matter of fact, one of the most important places in the world to us is the much-talked-about haunting places in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. So, uh, in... Late May of 2017, shortly after we graduated college, my, at the time, the uh, girlfriend, now wife, and our uh, close friend, we all went out to Gettysburg because our friend had never been there, and we wanted to do some spooky encounter stuff, that kind of thing. So, 
we go out there um, and we're just kind of seeing the town. It was like a Sunday, so it was kind of quiet. Um, and we hadn't really been experiencing much. So we all said, you know, to our friend, do you want to check out this place called Saks Bridge? Saks Bridge is spelled S-A-C-H-S. And it refers to just a normal by day looking red covered bridge that was used as a Confederate army sort of field hospital thing where a bunch of men lost their lives and lost their limbs. As a matter of fact, on the one side of the bridge, I believe there's a story that goes the pile of limbs that were chopped off by the field medics was so high it actually reached the top of the 12-foot awning of the bridge itself. So that's the kind of picture you're painting. But when you go there at night, it really just has a different vibe, man. I've been there several different times in my life, um, and it's just a really spooky, creepy place. It is the darkest of the dark. Um, you need flashlights just to walk up to the bridge. Um, and if you go to Gettysburg and you mention Saks Bridge to the locals, they're all going to pull out photo books of their phones or anything, and they're going to show you full-body apparitions. They're going to show you EVPs they've gotten there. They're going to show you um, orbs, all, all the above, all, all the classics. Now, I myself have seen a number of apparitions in my life, uh, at least I believe to have, and as much as I like to be skeptical about these kinds of things, uh, I cannot deny what I saw on that late May, late May 2017 night there. So we're just about to leave. We hadn't really seen much or caught anything. We're trying to record on our phones for EVPs or anything. Um, so we're just sort of there taking a break, and we're about to leave. When I notice on the opposite end of the bridge, we're standing just off of one end of the bridge, and at the very opposite, of course, the side where my car is parked, um, we see, I start to see first what appears to be almost like a staticky mist kind of thing. And I'm watching it and I'm thinking, it's probably just my eyes playing tricks on me. Like, I'm writing it off at first. Uh, but then it starts to sort of harden a little more and get more of a sort of tangibility look to it. And I happen to look over and aren't my girlfriend and our friend looking directly in the direction I am? And I say to them, do you see that? And they both just looked at me and very quietly said, almost in unison, it was like, you know, kind of a scary movie thing. It was like a, just a very soft, yeah, we see it. So we're all just kind of staring at it for a minute. And the longer we looked at it, the more the, we talked, we talked about this several times, the more we looked at it, the more we just felt like this intense feeling of anger and pressure on the back of our necks and in our chest in my legs. I felt like my legs were cemented to the ground. Now, I'm not someone who typically shies away from these kinds of things, but I'm not uh, emasculated enough to tell you that I was pretty scared because the more that we stared at it, the more it seemed to almost shift in shape. It swung its limbs around very creepily. Um, we're snapping pictures the whole time. And in my head, I just am almost feeling telepathically, even though I know it wasn't communicating with me that way as far as I know. But it was just like I felt the feeling of get out, go away. I don't want you here. So, of course, the three of us are like, OK, message well received. But, uh, buddy, you're standing in between us and my car. So we need to walk your way. And it's maybe a 50 or 60 foot bridge, but it felt like it was about two miles long. And the entire way we're walking and it's just shift, 
it's shifting and its arms are snaking around and its legs are snaking around. And when we look back at the pictures after I finally got to the car, and let me say, as soon as we get off the bridge, we went from walking very slowly to running very fast. There was no apparition, but there was like a bright green, almost phosphorescent light right about where this thing's head would have been, even though there are no houses around that area, really. Uh, there's one house that's sort of like maybe a quarter mile away, but all the lights were out when we drove by. We looked around when my wife and I actually went back several months ago, and there was no green light, no telephone poles, no nothing. But it's a bright, bright green light. If you want, I can send you the picture. Um, it is one of the creepiest experiences that I have ever experienced. And I don't know if you can use this, but I figured it was a good story to tell around Halloween. And uh, really appreciate your show. So looking forward to listening to more. So thanks. Bye. Thank you, caller, for taking the time to share. Uh, you know, this call reminds me of a story that my own brother told me. And I believe I talked about it on the on the show very, very early on, possibly even in the first season. But he and his girlfriend at the time took a trip to Gettysburg and brought along a video camera. So he's walking around, you know, some of the battle sites there have actually never been there, so I can't tell you exactly where he was. But in his footage, you can hear in the background, distinct and clear as day, battle drums. You know, like the the cadence that they use to line up and everything like that. You can hear it distinct as can be. I'm going to try to get that. It's like on a high 8 tape or something strange like that. Something from the mid-2000s. So I'm going to see if I can't get a hold of him and see if um, I can't get a clip of that to share with you guys. But it, it was definitely cool. And he swears up and down that there were no reenactments going on. Uh, he said he was the only one that he saw in the area. So I you know, have to believe him. But yeah, it's very cool. Now, as for the story here, first off, let me say, if you have a photograph, please send that in. I would love to see that, and I'd love to share it with the folks over at the Facebook page. Now, the second thing I will say is, I'd actually never heard of Saks Bridge. As I said, I've never been to Gettysburg, and to be quite honest, I've never done a ton of research on anything that's actually gone on in Gettysburg outside of, you know, anything I've seen on Ghost Hunters, Ghost Adventures, that kind of, uh, that kind of thing. So uh, I did a quick search for Saks Bridge, and boy, was I not disappointed. There are tons of videos about this bridge. Tons of full-bodied apparitions, hot spots, cold spots, uh, you name it. There's actually a trick where you put a lit cigarette on the aluminum guardrail, and uh, as it's burning, it will actually rotate on the guardrail without falling off. Now, I've seen the video. I've seen several videos actually of this phenomenon, and I can tell you that I believe it's just simply the wind blowing you can see the smoke blowing around, that kind of situation. So that's interesting, but uh, again, I, I think that's more of a wind situation rather than a paranormal situation. But I did stumble upon a handful of very cool EVPs. Now, for those that don't know, an EVP is an electronic voice phenomenon. Uh, basically, you set up a recorder in a purportedly haunted location, ask a few questions, and in the white noise, you sometimes can pull out different uh, phrases, different words, sometimes complete sentences, noises, growls, you know, that kind of thing. So that's what an EVP is. Um, now what I'm going to do here is I found four that I thought were pretty interesting, so I'm going to take a couple minutes and play a few of these EVPs. So, you know, if you're listening with headphones or something, you might want to turn it down a bit. Some of these are a little bit loud and screechy. 
Uh, so anyway, without further ado, let's launch into the first one here. These were all found on YouTube, and a link to each of these clips can be found in the show notes for tonight's episode. The first one of the evening I found from YouTube user Ed Placiencia. I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, and I'm just going to play it, and then I'm going to come back in and say what it supposedly says, and then I'm going to play it again. Uh, and I'm going to do that with each one of these. So let's start with this one. So what this EVP supposedly says is, My sweet Sarah, go along your way. Now, when I'm listening through my headphones with simply the audio, I can make out a man's voice, but I cannot make out those words. But when I watch the video, and it actually tells me where to listen, I can kind of hear what he's saying. Uh, So it's very interesting, and I, I feel like it has a lot to do with the power of suggestion, but... Uh, you know, it's it's definitely effective. Let's put it that way. Now, I'm going to play this one more time, and I did do a uh, noise cancellation on it, so it's going to sound slightly different, mostly just trying to pull out the audio that we're looking for. So here's that EVP once again. <laughs> now, our next one is from YouTube user Brandon Staub, and this is simply whistling that was captured on the bridge. Now, I probably should have pointed out from the get-go that every single one of these EVPs was recorded on the bridge. So uh, keep that in mind going forward. But this one is uh, whistling from Brandon Staub. Now, this one is a little strange because I can hear the hallmark sound of uh, a phaser going on in there. Basically, it's just a tool in a lot of audio editing software that allows you to enhance the sound. So I don't think it was faked necessarily, but uh, there may be some sounds in there that aren't whistling that actually sound like whistling due to this effect. So let's play this one more time, and you guys be the judge on this. Now our next EVP sample comes to us from YouTube user Ghost Eyes Paranormal. I will tell you what this one says here in just a moment. So this one's a little bit strange because it actually repeats the phrase in question twice. Now what it's reported to say is, I'm so startled. I can actually hear the phrase, and it comes in about a second into the clip and then repeats again the second time about a second uh, from the end of the clip. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to run this through the noise filter uh, once again and uh, try to clean this up a little bit. Listen to this one, and uh, hopefully you can pull it out a little better this time. And for our final clip, uh, this one is from HPC Paranormal on YouTube, and uh, I'll tell you what this one says after you give it a listen. You saw you saw the lights, didn't you? Yeah. Is that you making all the noise? Now what the video posters claim this entity says is, it is, when the woman asks the question, if he's the one making all the noise. 
and I can pretty much hear this one clear as day. Uh, but the the uh, posters actually did their own due diligence on this and cleaned up the audio themselves. Uh, so I'm going to play uh, two samples that they provided uh, of a cleaned up version of the response. So here's that response now. Now I'll be completely honest. I don't put a ton of stock in EVPs. Uh, I think they're really cool. I think they're creepy sometimes. But there's just so many variables that go into uh, capturing something like that. Certainly it's it's worth trying. It's, it's worth investigating and it's worth looking into. But I would not hold them as gospel uh, in the court of paranormal law, so to say. Uh, there's just too many ways for them to be faked or... Uh, uh, misinterpreted or you know there's there's a plethora of different ways that that can go that can go wrong but anyway uh, these are pretty incredible they're all captured in the same place and they all seem to um, either reflect the time period uh, certainly the one mentioning uh, go along your way my sweet Sarah that's not something people say anymore um, the tune that was whistling sounded like an older tune I didn't recognize it but it certainly wasn't Beyonce let's put it that way and, uh, you know, I'm so startled. Of course, somebody in battle would be startled. Or somebody that's in the afterlife that's being visited by strange people on this bridge would be startled. And then finally, the last one did answer the question. So, you know, with the history of Gettysburg and the way these, these EVPs play out, they're either, in my opinion, they're either fakes, dead-on fakes, or there's something maybe a little weird going on here. And that's coming from somebody that doesn't put a lot of stock in EVPs. So anyway, this is a bit of a long segment, and I apologize for that, but I think it's fun to run through these sometimes. And I, I know I have a few uh, callers that have submitted EVPs, and I'm slowly figuring out the best way to do it. I think maybe this is it going forward, so um, look for those here in, in coming episodes. Anyway, uh, thank you so much, uh, caller, for taking the time to share that story. Uh, very amazing, very amazing stuff. Tonight's next submission comes to us from Billy, from an unknown location. Uh, I'd like to start off by saying, hi, Derek. Um, I've been been watching your, not watching, listening to your podcast uh, now, and uh, I wanted to leave this story. Um, I've been debating on leaving it because it's um, quite personal. It's not the fact that I'm afraid to leave personal information, but it is um, graphic, so I'll let you determine whether or not it gets played or not, and uh, maybe you'll make it in time for Halloween. Um, the date we're going to start with is 1994 on October 31st. I'm going to start the story here and give some, um, background information. Um, on this day, it was, uh, very rainy and I grew up in a house, uh, with a, a very crazy, um, mother. Uh, my father was still with her at the time, and uh, but they weren't living together. Um, I was the second youngest of five boys, and um, the oldest being 13, and I was uh, five at the time. And my younger brother was six months old. Um, well, I said my mom was crazy, and I, I, I mean... She was crazy. Um, I remember her throwing a hammer um, at my father while he was in a car, and we were inside of it. She she broke the glass, and um, 
with the hammer. And on this day, on, on Halloween, because it was raining, she was quite upset because she was hoping to get us out of the house to go trick-or-treating, but we, we couldn't, and we were all upset. So uh, she had my older brother walk to a store nearby and get us candy. Um, I remember eating the candy and that we were, um, our bellies were all full, and so we went to sleep for the night. Halfway through the night, we woke up to um, our brother, oldest brother, Heath, was ushering out of us out of the room. He was very hectic and um, like something was going on, panicked. And uh, I woke up and uh, and a start, and I, I went to, I remember I had to use the bathroom, so I went to, to go walk down the hallway, and he grabbed me before I went down the hallway. And uh, he just said, look, and he pointed down the hallway, and uh, our house was on fire. Um, he took us, and he, him being older, he ushered us out the back window. And um, to shorten this story up, my youngest brother and my mom passed away. Now, that being said, the next day on November 1st, um, with my father being told about the incident and family members attempting to help in, in the process, um, we were all ushered to different family members' houses, and I went and stayed at one of my, my aunt's houses. Um, she made up a room for me, and uh, she was quite wealthy. We were not. She was. She had like a five-bedroom house, and she made up one of the bedrooms downstairs in her basement just for me. Um, I was the only one who went to her house. The other brothers went to separate family members while my father was trying to deal with the whole situation of just having the loss a wife and a son. While I was laying down, uh, attempting to go to sleep in this bedroom, I remember I was just had my eyes shut and I was rolled on my left side and as I was laying there I heard a a giggle of a young child and it really startled me so I pulled the blankets up over my head and I said who's there and somebody or something said in, in a very childish voice that I had to get up and I needed to get up and play with it that it was going to be the last time that we ever got to play with one another. And if I went and played with it, that we could play together forever. Something just didn't feel right, though. It, it just it felt um, scary and evil in the presence. Now, being said, I was about five years old, so to be woken up at night or startled at night. Now, I was, um, I was very scared, but... I decided to take a peek uh, out to see what what this or who this was, and I looked to my right, and there was just a complete black, like absent void of darkness in the shape of a a little young boy is what I would best describe it as, and it immediately rushed at me, and I was afraid for my life at this point, so I covered up with the blankets once again and I could feel the presence uh, climb onto the bed and it was giggling like it was playing 
but I just didn't feel like there was any, um, like, happiness in the giggle. The, the entity or whatever it was sounded like it was having fun, but I was just, the whole presence was just beyond scary. And like once I said, I, I was five, so it could have been my age, but it pressed itself against the right side of my body, and I felt it's like what I'm guessing would be its legs come over me and straddle me and it started pressing on my chest at this point I rolled over to look at it so I'm, I'm laying on my back and it pressed me on the chest saying get up get up we have to play we could play forever get up and play with me and I just left my head underneath the blankets and I urinated myself at this moment and it was getting more and more forceful telling me to get up and it started getting a deeper uh, more cynical voice to where it almost shouted like a a full-grown man and um, I, I was really extremely afraid and the entity then stood up with one foot on my right side and one foot on my left side and started bouncing back and forth um, giggling and what appeared to be singing a song like kind of like a la 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 and I laid there the entire night until I um, passed out, not being able to stay awake anymore. And um, so that's my that's my story for. Um, hopefully, you can play this for Halloween. Um, I do have another story in conjunction with this that happened the next night, but I will uh, call back and leave it at a later date. Um, once again, uh, keep doing a great job on your podcast. I absolutely love them. Binge-watching them um, almost eight hours a day. So thank you very much for everything you do and giving us an outlet to um, contact and understand one another. Thank you. Thank you, Billy, for sharing that call. And let me start off by saying I'm incredibly sorry for your loss. I couldn't imagine going through that as a five-year-old or at any stage in your life. Uh, So I'm sorry to hear that. Now, as your story began, my first thought was sleep paralysis. This seems very simple. A combination of the events surrounding the fire added to sleeping in a strange location could easily trigger a sleep paralysis episode. But I do happen to think that that's not necessarily the case here, because he mentioned moving around and, and opening his eyes and setting up and rolling over in that kind of situation. So... Uh, Although the behavior of the entity sounds similar to sleep paralysis, the behavior of the subject does not. So I'm going to go ahead and kick that out as a plausible explanation. Now, my other question is, is this something that was already in the room, or was it something that Billy brought with him, perhaps as a uh, result of the fire? I'm not a firm believer in picking up spirits, so to say, you know, from cemeteries or tragic events or something like that, but... I've heard enough accounts to at least have an open mind about it. Uh, It certainly seems like something that is claimed to have happened quite often, so I feel like it's important that we at least explore that, that possibility. Either way, the behavior of the entity that Billy described is creepy at at the very best. Uh, Very childlike, but the way he describes it, it almost sounds like that childlike entity is is hiding something deep and dark. Um, So I I think it's probably a good thing 
that Billy decided not to play with that little kid that day. Uh, I couldn't imagine what would happen if he had agreed to do so. Uh, Thank you again, Billy, for the call, and I'm looking forward to uh, listening to your other submission. Moving right along here, we head to the state of Pennsylvania, and the following is Joseph's call. Hey, Derek, it's Joseph from uh, from Pennsylvania. Um, I was uh, messaging you about a um, otter-like creature I saw a few years back at a park with my friends. Um, not sure anybody's called about seeing anything like this, so I thought I'd chip in my story. This happened in about 2015. Um... My friends and I got really bored, and we all have samurai swords, so we all decided to go to a park and, you know, just roast marshmallows, bring our swords out, and, you know, you know, show off what we had. Uh, we started a bonfire, and we were roasting marshmallows, you know, the usual things, having fun with that. Um, none of us did any drugs. None of us drank. We were, you know in the middle of the night we didn't want to you know bring too much attention to ourselves uh minus the bonfire that we had you know just in case um we noticed that there was a trail that led into the woods so we were like hey let's you know follow what this what where this goes so we brought our swords with us you know we didn't want anybody that came across to steal our pieces um a lot of us have you know items that can cost upwards of a thousand dollars on us um so we're walking through the trail, and after about 20 minutes of walking, we come across what looks like an old foundation floor cement, like it, like the outline of a house and nothing but cement. It was very flat, rectangular. And then about 20 feet from that, there was a garage. But it's all surrounded by trees, trees in front of the garage, <clears throat> excuse me, trees behind the garage, you know, like, like it as if it was abandoned. We opened up the uh, doors to the garage, and inside there was a really creepy antique doll. One of my friends moved the doll, and I joked, Oh, you shouldn't have messed with the doll. Now freaky things are going to happen. We didn't think anything of it. We all chuckled. We had, we had a good laugh. We started walking back, and there is a creek in the general area, um, which is why I thought it might have been an otter until, you know, things happened. We saw... We heard some commotion and scuffling on the floor. I turned my flashlight on it. And uh, as I turned my flashlight on it, one of my friends drew his sword and pointed it directly at the creature that we saw. It was long, slinky black. With like a, but, it, but the head didn't look like any creature that we've ever seen. It was like, it looked like a long otter, about four feet long. And silky, oily black skin or fur, matted fur. Maybe it was wet from being in the creek. But the face looks like it was like it stopped forming about halfway through. And that it was like just a skull. It looked at us, we looked at it, and all of a sudden it didn't just, it didn't run off. It just pooped out of existence. My friend and I that that, that witnessed this told the other guys, hey, we're getting out of here. 
Um, we noticed the feeling, and both of us talked about this feeling in our stomach as it was approaching from just, you know, pure cold. Like, a, like, like as if somebody, like as if you drank a very cold soda or an ice cream sundae that just sat in your stomach and made you ve- feel very cool. Um, and we've noticed that feeling a couple times in different areas um, out in Stroudsburg, PA, where this happened. Um, and we've avoided those places ever since. It freaked us out. We don't know what that was. I want to say it was an otter just to make my mind eat, uh, feel a, a bit at ease, but you never know. Thanks for listening. Love your podcast. Take care of yourself. Thank you, Joseph. Now, this is a weird one, because I'm not sure if you're describing uh, a creature, a, a flesh-and-blood creature, or some sort of uh, otherworldly creature, I guess is the best way to put it, something interdimensional or something back from the dead, or, uh, you know, some paranormal side of this. So I don't know if we're looking at a cryptid or if we're looking at something uh, with half of its skull exposed. Now, as I listened to this call several times, I actually had a thought pop into my head. There is an animal called the fisher. It's a weasel-type creature, more like the wolverine. It can grow up to 20 pounds, and uh, I believe it's like 4 foot long. At least the the males are 4 foot long. And these are long, sleek creatures, low to the ground. And uh, they're predators, so they have claws and teeth and, you know, that kind of thing. And there's a few weird things about the fisher. Uh, one is that it changes color with the seasons. So as it gets uh, later in the year, it'll its, its coat will lighten up. So uh, I'm wondering if the quote-unquote skull that that um, Joseph claimed to have seen was simply the creature's face turning white uh, as a result of the change in, in weather. I'm not real sure what time of year this took place, but I imagine they start changing their coat color uh, around this time of year probably to, to ready for winter. Now, the big the big holdback here is that the fisher doesn't exactly live in the region that, that Joseph described. Uh, the range goes as far south as northern New York and southern Canada, although the historical range was the entire state of Pennsylvania. But I did some digging, I did some researching, and I found a few small pockets uh, where these creatures are supposedly said to live in uh, like the southeast corner of uh, Pennsylvania, uh, parts of Maryland, parts of West Virginia. There's just these little tiny pockets in the mountainous regions. Now, I don't know exactly where Joseph's calling from. He said he was in, I believe, Strasburg, Pennsylvania. So I did a little search there and found that uh, these little pockets aren't too far from from that location. So it's entirely possible that what Joseph ran into that day was simply a fissure that lodged up in this garage and everybody was caught off guard and the thing scattered to get out of the room. Uh, Now, at the very end, he did mention that the creature seemed to just disappear into thin air. Now, I'm a little confused about that as well. Does that mean that it slipped into a hole and just went away, or does that mean he was looking at it and it simply vanished? If it's the the former, uh, again, it's a fissure. It sounds like a fissure to me where it would just run out of a hole in the garage or through the hole in the floor, something like, something like that. Uh, but if it in fact disappeared while he was watching it, I suppose all bets are off. Uh, I'm not real sure exactly what that could have been in that situation. 
so if anybody out there listening has any idea what this might be, uh, I welcome all suggestions. Hit us up on Facebook, shoot me an email, or even call in if you'd like. Either way, I love this story. I think it's very interesting and reminiscent of something I feel like would have happened to me as a kid with all the exploring that I did. So uh, thank you again, Joseph, for taking the time to share that. Now, before we move on to our next call of the evening, I want to take a quick second to introduce the newest member of the Monsters Among Us family. Those of you that are on the Monsters Among Us fan page on Facebook may have already seen his contributions, but my very good friend, Anthony Tony Bell, has signed on to help Addie with a few um, administrative uh, duties as far as posting and keeping track of everybody and keeping the machine uh, moving, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, so anyway... Please welcome uh, Tony. I, I believe he's okay with going by Tony, or as he's started to call himself already, uh, Uncle Crypto, which is so, so fitting. So anyway, if you're on the uh, Facebook page, please take a moment or so to uh, give uh, Tony the good old Monsters Among Us welcome. And uh, a big thank you to Tony for volunteering for the position. Now our next call of the evening is yet another strange animal sighting, but this one's a little bit different. The following is Mike's call. From Parts Unknown. Hi, Derek. My name is Mike. I first heard about your podcast from one of my coworkers when we were talking about how much we both love Halloween and ghost stories. And she recommended your podcast, and I have not been able to stop listening ever since. Just want to say that stories are great, love listening to it, and I hope you continue to keep making it because it's fantastic. I have a story to share that has been yet to be explained by me and my friends when we were younger. But it's kind of like a happy ghost story, so I figured it might be a nice little change-up from some of the creepy ones that I hear on your podcast, which I love, but it might be a nice little change-up. When I was about, I want to say 10 or 11, so it was definitely in middle school, I had a friend, um, and her parents owned a gift basket company. And this gift basket company had a warehouse. And when I was younger and we had wanted to hang out together, her parents excuse me, her parents had to work, so they would normally take us to the warehouse, and we would kind of hang out in there, safely, I promise. No one was ever injured. Um, but she had told me before the first time I came there that one of her friends said it was haunted by some little kid with red hair that used to haunt the halls and walk around and watch everybody work. Now, we were young, and she just got, had recently gotten into horror movies, so I kind of chalked it up as, okay, cool, she's just obsessed with Chucky, and like that's not really what happened. But um, I did go out to this warehouse. We hung out there a couple times. And I did kind of get the feeling that there was some kind of presence there, but I couldn't tell what it was. And she had just chalked it up as this redhead kid that used to watch everybody. Not malicious. He would just watch everybody. One time we brought our scooters, and we were kind of rolling around the warehouse. And this warehouse had different rooms. So in the front of the warehouse, it was kind of sanctioned off into a couple offices, a break room, a kitchen and then another set of offices that would lead out into the warehouse. If you're walking through the hallway, on the right side of you, you're basically in this open cafeteria that was the break room. And on the left side of you, there was a little cutout for a door that led into the little kitchenette area. One day, we were driving around. We were hanging out, you know, driving around on our scooters at the warehouse. And I was riding through the break room past the kitchenette. And I saw a dog like rummaging through the cabinets like one of the cabinets was wide open and this dog was like its head in there like clearly sniffing for something i couldn't see the dog's face but i saw its you know its hind legs and its tail and it was wagging its tail 
And it was a happy gold. I could tell it was a golden retriever. And I didn't get any kind of negative, bad feelings from it. But I could just tell it was a golden retriever. And it was like a pleasant dog kind of energy. And I immediately stopped because I was going so fast I rode past the door. And I drove back and the door was gone. And like, and the door was gone. The dog was gone. So in the span of two seconds, the dog disappeared. And there was no other way out of that kitchenette except for that one door-like area. But I saw a cabinet was open and the dog, there was a dog there. And when I came back, the cabinet was still open and there was no dog. So I kind of went and found my friends. Like, does anybody have a dog? Do you, do you keep a pet on site? Do you guys have like a company dog or something? And she's like, no, what are you talking about? And so I, went, I told her what happened and she didn't believe me. She's like, okay, cool. Let's try to go and find this dog if you really thought you found a dog. So we're both riding around together on our scooters. And we didn't find anything. And after about 10 minutes of searching, we went back to the kitchenette area looking around for any signs of a dog. And here's where it gets a little weird. They had this rolling cart, kind of like one you might see in a hotel where it has two shelves, one like two inches off the ground, there's wheels underneath it, and then another one a couple feet about like a couple of feet above it, like maybe a foot and a half or so, like a bar cart, but a long one. And it clearly hadn't been moved for a long time. And it was just sitting right against the wall, like right on the other side of the wall that would be where the kitchenette is. And when we stopped to sit in the kitchenette, we're trying to think about where the dog could have came from. I looked at that bar cart and in the dust were dog paw prints that were leading into the wall. And if, you know, there was no wall there, the direction that those footprints were going would have led directly to that open cabinet where that dog I saw was sniffing around. And I know it sounds weird, and I checked it out. They were legitimate dog paw prints. Like, no one could have faked them. Like, it didn't look like some kid tried to make fake dog prints. Like, it had little tiny, like, remnants of nails. Like, it looked like a real dog paw print. And the last one was half in the dust almost like the dog was walking through the wall. Anyway, we've never been able to figure out where that dog would have came from. We looked up a little bit about the area, tried to find out if the previous owners had a dog on site. Her and her parents never had a dog there. They didn't even have a dog at home. Well, they did, but that wasn't the same kind of dog. So it wasn't like a foreshadowing of the dog passing away. It wasn't um, a stray dog because there was no way the dog could have gotten inside. We didn't have any open bay doors at the time. We would have heard a dog rummaging around, and like I said, within the two seconds, it literally took me to stop my scooter and back up and look in the kitchenette. There's nowhere the dog would have gone. I even looked in the cabinets. It wasn't like it was hiding anywhere. And, you know, the dust was kind of the creepiest part of the whole thing where we saw dog prints in the dust and could never explain it. So to this day, we don't talk very much on that friend and I. Nothing happened. I just got grew up and grew apart. Um, but we never were able to explain it. I never saw any history of it and I hadn't heard from her ever since about that ghost dog but there was that one weird day we saw some creepy dust prints paw prints in the dust so I just thought it'd be a fun happy story to share on your podcast if you're ever looking for kind of a peppy ghost story or nothing that's too eerie maybe for a Christmas episode or something <laughs> um, but I just wanted to say your podcast is fantastic I love listening to it thanks so much for producing it can't wait to hear some more stories have a great one bye bye and thank you, Mike, for taking the time to share that call. Now, I'm going to start off by saying that there's something about uh, spectral dogs or just anything creepy about dogs that just kind of creeps me out. Um, I know I've told several stories over the years about dogs, and one of my favorite uh, campfire ghost stories is about a black dog. So 
Anytime there's a dog ghost story, it always gives me the heebie-jeebies, and this one was no different. Now, as far as the actual encounter, I don't have an explanation for this. Uh, I've racked my brain back and forth, and the best thing I can come up with is that the dog walked up to the wall and jumped out a window that was above, above him. So basically the footprints would look like they'd walk up to the wall, but he would just leap out the window. The problem with this, of course, is that Mike never described there being a window in that situation, and um, I'm sure it would have looked fairly obvious that that's what happened. But uh, again, that's the only logical explanation that I can come up with for this particular story. Uh, outside of that, I, I know Mike said it wasn't a creepy story, but I beg to differ. Uh, there's something very creepy about ghost dogs to me, so... Thank you, Mike, for taking the time to share that. Now I have one more call to share with you guys, uh, but before we do that, I'm really short on time, so I'm going to breeze through these announcements really, really fast. Ready and go. Rate and review the show on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Facebook, wherever you can leave kind words and five-star reviews. Do it. Please help us out. We're about to break a 1,000 reviews, and I'll be dead honest with you, I never in a million years thought that would ever happen. And here we are. Uh, two and a half years into the show, and we broke a thousand. So, there's some pretty big shows out there that don't have a thousand reviews. So, I want to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for taking the time to actually rate and review as often as I say rate and review. Um, let's see what's next. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Make sure you join the group on Facebook. There are two Facebook pages there's the main page, which is kind of boring and static, and then there's the dynamic one where everybody can contribute. Uh, which is the Facebook group. You search on Facebook for either of those and you'll find them. Ooh, this is a big one. If you have a story to share, call the Monsters Among Us hotline at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. Or you can go to the Report Your Sightings tab on the website, which is monstersamonguspodcast.com. And lastly, there's some movement on Monsters Among Us hats. I'm not going to reveal any information just yet, but just know that there's a fine gentleman down in Australia that's working on a uh, design for us as we speak. So once we get all this going, I will announce that. I will announce him and uh, share all the art, and we'll get all this stuff uh, up into the shop, hopefully before Christmas, so that you can give that Monsters Among Us fan in your life uh, the gift of a lifetime. So I think that's going to be it for the announcements, and just in time. I have one last call, and this one's a weird one. The following is Eric's call from the state of Virginia. Hey, Derek. My name's Eric. Uh, my story takes place in a small town called Seaside, Virginia, in the early 2000s, uh, specifically the John Flanagan Dam area. So uh, when I was in high school, my friends and I, we used to go on these ghost hunts, I guess so it wasn't very professional. It was just, you know, a thing to do in a small town. And, uh, you know, we would go to them, and usually we never ran into anything. Uh, I mean, the idea was to try to spot something, but uh, no, uh, no luck usually. Uh, people told us that the John Flanagan Dam was uh, haunted by a ghost of a girl that had drowned at the spillway portion uh, due to the strong current. And, uh, you know, that was all we really had to go on. We didn't really do any research. We didn't, uh, that was just going to be our Friday night, you know. So 
we decided to go down there. Um, uh, me and four of my other buddies uh, piled up in a Chevy Cavalier, and uh, we drove down there. Uh, it's probably uh, past eleven o'clock at night. We got down to the parking area. There wasn't any cars there, and uh, parking area was like sat right next to a picnic area with like picnic shelters and a playground. Uh, it was pretty well lit with street lights, so you know, like uh, there's nobody. We were all alone. Uh, there, there was nobody there, and um, we had to walk through the picnic area uh, to get to the spillway portion. And uh, we did that, and that led to a trail that led to the water. And once we got down to the water, we uh, uh, just kind of hung out. You know, like again, we're not professionals or anything like that. We just did this for fun, uh, just to kill time, and uh, we just stood there, bantered back and forth for five, ten minutes, and then I uh, noticed off in the distance that there was uh, a figure like where the picnic area was and like all the street lights were and uh, like the figure looked very strange like it was humanoid but like very like spindly uh, very thin uh, you couldn't make out any like details of it but um and then the way that it moved, it moved in like uh, like twitches, like a twitching. Like I, I don't know how else to describe it. Like it just like it was having trouble moving, like very quick twitching movements. Um, and it would move from like shadow, like the, the shadows of the uh, street lights were giving off the coasts. Like it would move from each shadow, uh, like and it would meld in with that shadow and then it would continue going on down the line throughout the picnic area and uh, we just watched in fascination at first you know not really um, knowing like what we were seeing and uh, and until you know it uh, finished you know like walking wherever it was going which was toward the parking lot actually and uh, disappeared and then that's when we kind of like the horror set in because the only way to get to the <laughs> our car was to go through the picnic area where we saw this this figure and uh, that's that's when we uh we took a, like a minute just to gather ourselves and uh very apprehensively we uh walked through the, the picnic area uh, just hoping we wouldn't like run into whatever that was, and uh, we uh, we made it to the our car, uh, fortunately without running into that, that figure. And uh, when we got to our car, uh, all four of the car doors were like wide open. I mean, I don't <laughs> like none of like we we I remember shutting my car door. We uh, just searched through the, the car, I mean, nothing was stolen, um, nothing was uh, inside the car or anything like that. It was just like all four of the car doors were 
were open, and uh, I mean, we just at that point, like you know, we didn't see anything in there, so we just got in the car and we left. Uh, we jetted out of there, and uh, and that was it. Um, and I mean, I don't know what that was that we saw. Uh, and I think you've done some episodes on uh, like Shadow Men, uh, and that's probably the closest thing I could attribute. To, to what we saw, um, I don't really know a whole lot of specifics about the shadow men, if they can manipulate objects like opening car doors or, or what. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if you can shed any light on what you think it could have been. But, like, we all saw uh, this this creature uh, from the distance, and uh, we, uh, we didn't really... <laughs> couldn't really figure out what it was or anything, so, um, yeah, uh, that, that's my story, um, love the podcast, uh, keep up the good work. Thank you, Eric, for that creepy call. Now, I have two plausible explanations for this story, and, um, the first is that I'm wondering if it was just a homeless person. And it was described as skinny and, and kind of twitchy, uh, two characteristics of a lot of homeless people I've seen here in Southern California. Um, unfortunately, many of them seem to be mentally ill or mentally unstable, which leads to their uh, eventual decline. And uh, it, it's a really sad situation. But, uh, you know, it, it still kind of fits the, fits the description that Eric gave. They could be hiding in the, in the shadows a bit, a little leery about coming out. But I did have an aside theory on this uh, particular idea. What if this was a distraction of some sort? So they took somebody and kind of dressed them up the best as possible, hid them in the shadows while one of their buddies or a few of their buddies go back and ransack the car. Uh, Fortunately for Eric and his friends, there were a bunch of teenagers and there probably wasn't much of value to steal in the vehicle, but it may be a little scheme that they had going on where they would distract people with a quote-unquote creature while back in the parking lot there's people just ransacking the vehicle. But the other idea I had was uh, much more mundane and not actually an original idea at all. Uh, Anyone that's familiar with uh, skeptic Joe Nickel, he throws this one out all the time. And nine times out of ten, I disagree with him. But here I'm wondering if it's possible. Could it have been a large bird of some sort? A blue heron, a stork, a crane, a sandhill crane, for those that are familiar. Now, I say this because the shape is similar uh, those birds do move in a jerky movement. You know, they, they have the long spindly legs that they slowly walk the shorelines not to disturb the fish that they're preying on. Now, I realize this wasn't described as being next to the water, but, uh, you know, these birds can fly and walk, so there's no reason to think that they couldn't uh, simply walk over to the tree line, and there may even be some prey there that they were feeding on as well. Uh, now, I did a little bit of research on this and found out that the the lake there is actually the John Flanagan Reservoir. And one of the rivers that flows into the man-made lake is actually called Crane's Nest River. So at least there's some indication that these uh, particular birds are in that area, which we pretty much already knew anyway. Um, so anyway, uh, only Eric would really know if this was a logical explanation or if this is completely out of left field and misses the point completely. But judging by his description, I feel like either of these two explanations could easily fit. 
That said, we've definitely heard stories about strange skinny creatures before, so there's no reason to think that this couldn't simply be one of those as well. Either way, it's an amazing account, and I truly appreciate you taking the time to share it with us, Eric. Uh, So thank you. And just like that, I'm out of time. So that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Addie Lloyd, Warren Pon Abbott, and Anthony Bell. All audio used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. Music for this episode was provided by Mayu and Coag Music. Thank you all for listening, and until next week. starts with an invitation to experience Lexus, to get behind the wheel, to go out on the open road, to feel a rush of adrenaline. It starts as an invitation to drive a Lexus vehicle, but it becomes an exhilarating experience. The Invitation to Lexus sales event, your invitation is always open, but the offers only last through March 31st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Click the banner to discover more. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.